You're listening to Literally, the podcast where you literally get a complete behind the scenes peek at a one-on-one business coaching relationship and the transformation that unfolds over the course of six months. I'm your host, Lacey Seitz, business mentor and success coach and the founder of A Lit Up Life. These are recordings of actual coaching sessions with one of my clients where you get to experience her journey right along with her and gain insight into building your own lit up life and the business that you desire. All right, guys, welcome to session 19. I love this session. I think you guys will too. I think Sabrina was very brave in this session to share many of the big fears that are coming up for her. And I think it's just really helpful because I imagine that everyone listening has some version of these, right? And I think that it's so easy to believe that someone much further along than us has rid themselves of all of these fears or never struggles with this, or like, that's why they're successful. And I think just being able to hear from her, all of the ways this is showing up is really, really useful and permission giving, and just such a reminder that you can still be absolutely crushing it in your business, making multiple millions and still have fears and that that does not have to be the determining factor of your success. So I really, really think that this episode is going to do a world of good for your mindset, your belief system, your ability to give yourself grace. And I'm really, really excited for y'all to listen. Hello, my angel. Hi, mom. How are you doing? I'm good. What's going on? I did journaling today. Look so at I you. I thought it would be so fun for you to read it to you. Oh, yeah. That's juicy. Okay. Yeah. You're going to read me the whole thing. I'll read you the deepest fear inventory because that's okay. how they work. Okay. You get to say thank you for your honesty and I'll get to rip it up. Okay. Do I get to have any commentary on it or is that not allowed? No, I thought we could talk about it. Okay. Fair. But just for anyone who doesn't know how this works, typically you don't yes. give commentary. Yes. Yeah. Unless you're in a coaching session. <laughs> Unless you're in a coaching session. And also side note, maybe don't do this in a group coaching session if you're not able to hold space for what people might say. And then the aftermath, because I've seen that before. Okay. I deeply fear and resent having an eight-figure business because I have fear that I will need to manage a large, expensive, incompetent team, will lose all my free time, will be a slave to my phone and lose all my free time again. We'll have to work full-time hours. We'll be so fucking annoyed 24-7 by all the bullshit online. We'll constantly be in tax strategy and finance meetings and all the responsibility that comes with that. Feeling resentful of all the financial responsibility I hold. Um, getting pissed off when people are rude slash steal content slash file chargebacks against my contracts because quote unquote, I'm rich. And then they act like I'm the asshole and my lawyers pursue legal action. Watching everyone copy me 24-7 and not even being smart enough to teach my materials correctly. I will not be able to find people who can keep up, will not have the time to focus on my own personal stuff, will have to get really rigid with my schedule, will lose my 90% plus profit margin, will have to move to the United States, won't have time for Bonnie and Clyde or future kids, will need to be creating content 24-7, I won't get my off weeks anymore, I won't be able to travel on a whim, I won't be able to dip in and out of my business and I will have to be on all the time because my life is a reality TV show for other people. Dear God, I pray only for knowledge of your will for me and the strength to carry it out for me and my eight-figure business. You need to rip that shit up. Oh yeah, I forgot that part. All right, so just a quick little thing on Deepest Fear Inventory. 
for those of you who don't know about it, it is basically just really looking at your fears. So Sabrina reads out, she's deeply fearful of having an eight figure business and the things that come with it. And so it's basically about being like, yes, I know I want this thing, but let's be transparent and honest about the fears that are actually behind it. And the more we actually look at those fears, write those fears down, say them out loud and normalize them, the easier and easier it gets to move past them. And so this is such an important tool and practice. I think that it is so useful to be able to do this. And I think it's especially useful to be able to share it with a coach to get some reflection on that. So you can do this in your own way, in your own coaching containers, or you can just do it for yourself and read it out loud to even just a friend, right? Like Sabrina was saying, typically the practice is just to say like, thank you for sharing and just to be witnessed in those fears. But also again, it can be really useful as a coaching tool too. So highly recommend this. I do this a lot. My clients do this a lot and it just really helps neutralize some of those fears instead of just letting them simmer under the surface and run the show. So often bringing them to light makes such a big difference. How do you feel? I'm good. We have a theme. Every time I think is kind of like the big one, but also yeah. just being annoyed with bullshit was like a secondary theme I noticed. Yeah. I feel like freedom in general, like freedom from the bullshit, time freedom, all that kind of stuff. Freedom from like other people's like expectations of you. For sure. Something really, really valuable here is to know what your core value is and to be able to see it through even what your fears are, right? Like it's so obvious through these fears that Sabrina's core value is freedom. And so being able to continue to run your business from a place that really, really brings that about is so important because if you're trying to run your business from a place that directly conflicts with your core value, things are always going to be hard, right? So yeah, sometimes we are able to excavate that in different ways, but sometimes a deepest fear inventory is a great way to figure out like, oh, it's so obvious what my core value is here because all of my fears are around that thing. Or like I've had some clients who really have a people pleaser thing that we're working on. And so their fear inventory, it's all about like, who's going to be mad at me and who they're not pleasing. And so sometimes it's really helpful to do these exercises because it it shows us what needs our attention and what Sabrina really, really needs to feel to be able to move forward, to be able to grow, to be able to feel like she can continue to scale is knowing that that core value can remain intact as she does that. Because if she feels like she has to give up that core value, of course, she's going to throw up all the resistance in the world, just like any of us are when the thing that is most important to us is being threatened, right? So really think about whatever that might be for you and look at, is my business supporting that? Is my business setting me up for that? Is my business aligned to my core value? And am I building it with that in mind? Because if you're not, it makes sense that it's just a hell of a lot harder to grow. And if you are, it's so much easier to run at things because it feels like it's what you truly deep down want the most. Like, I feel like everyone I notice who does have like that big eight figure business, like their profit margins are all shit and mm -hmm. they're all so boring and they're all fake friends, mm -hmm. you know? And yeah, I just, I don't want to be a part of any of that. What do you feel like? Why does that mean that's what it has to look like for you? Why do you think your brain sees that? Like, why would you have to give up all the time to have that? Like, is it because you're like, I'd have to have a program that looks like this? Or is it just because you're like, that's what I see? Or like, why, why is that connection happening? Um, I think right now my business is very like coaching program heavy. 
which that is a okay and totally fine. And it's gotten me very, very, very far. But I wonder if at some point I would need to switch to it being more like course heavy to be able to maintain some of that time freedom. But then profit margins become shit. Cause like I know clients who like they made 5 million from courses, but they spent 2 million on ads. Yeah. And then fuck knows how much on team. And so then like they themselves, like their take-home pay is pretty abysmal compared to what they made. And I'm just not really into that. So for you, if you had to like prioritize one, it's obviously way more about what you're taking home than what you're making. For sure. Yeah. So maybe that's like even something you could play with there is like maybe even changing like desire. It's like X amount of profit instead of like eight figure business. It's like whatever figures of take home pay or something like that, where it feels like you're allowed to have that be the concentration. Yeah, I like that. I also think it makes sense that like a lot of like the annoyance with team stuff is showing up in there because it's what you just sort of like went through. Yeah. And you haven't like really gotten on the other side of that evidence yet. So it probably makes sense that that feels super present, right? Yeah. I mean, I think when I like look back, it's, you know, overwhelmingly, I've always had pretty good long-term relationships with team members. It's just, there's always with a team of my size, maybe one or two people at a time really struggling, which makes sense. So that was like a good reframe I had in my journaling today was just like, my team wants to help me. And I have so many people on my team have been there three years, four years, five years, six years, which is so crazy and like really weird, but true just is what it is. So yeah, it's cool in a way as well, even though there has been some shit for sure. I also think that, I don't know if you would say this is totally true, but like, I feel like what your trigger has been lately is that time stuff. Like it was like when you thought you were going to have the time off and then didn't get it because of team stuff or when you thought you were going to have more free time and then Clyde came and kind of like rocked the world and all of that. Like, I feel like it like a lot of this is maybe like way more of like what has just been showing up than like the most like deep seated or true things. It feels like it's very much like, here's what has been intense for me in the past couple of months. And so of course, here's where my like brain is going right now. Does that feel true? It does. Yeah. I mean, I have clients do this exercise and it's always interesting to see like what they wrote six months ago versus now. Yeah. Mm. So I'm sure it'll be interesting to revisit this exercise and see like if this is still true or if some of it's gone away or something new pops up. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think you're also doing stuff to like handle some of this now. Like we were just talking about how like you are having your off week now and you're not running your event on your off week. And so like almost like combating some of these thoughts with evidence of like, nope, actually like I'm not adding more to my plate. I'm like taking a longer off week or a more full off week. Right. Definitely. Yeah. No, I feel, I feel good about a lot of the time boundaries I've put in place and how I'm handling my schedule right now. When does it feel like those would shift? Like in your vision of like, okay, this grows to X amount. Like when do those boundaries start getting pushed? Is it like when you add another program, when you add more team, when you have more people in your programs, like when does this start to feel like, I think, you know, if I continue to really scale up millionaire, all of those clients have kickoff calls. So I think that's where it does start to feel a bit tight. So I am looking forward to increasing my rates there and also focusing more on wealthy women. Mm-hmm. Cause that does feel a lot more, a lot better with my time. Totally. And that's like, 
a way more scalable program. And you don't, I mean, I don't know, tell me if I'm like hearing this wrong, but for a long time, I feel like you haven't really wanted Millionaire to be scalable. Like I think you want maybe the price to raise, but I think it's not like you want an unlimited amount of people in that program. Like I think that's in many ways, like not what you want. I mean, we did scale it to a million dollar program. So like that does feel really good, but sometimes I'm like, well, do I want to turn that program into a $3 million program or do I just kind of want to keep it where it is? And I think what I realized is I'd rather maybe keep that around one or two and then the other programs can go more, you know, and courses can go more. Totally. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I also think that like, I think you love that program. Like it's not to say that you don't enjoy that program immensely, but I think in terms of like the responsibility of you in that program is what your whole fear inventory is kind of about is like the deeper responsibility that you're not wanting as much, right? That, or it's really time to kind of up level millionaire in terms of price point, but also just who comes in, you know, cause I think 2,800 a month is for people who are entering, making 60 K is a really low investment. So maybe over time, it does just become even more exclusive. And I still do have, let's say 45 people or whatever in there, but then in, you know, wealthy, maybe there's a couple hundred. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think, I mean, I think you can keep selling millionaire right now as is, I mean, I think we could raise the price certainly, but I think like your real like thing to focus on here is wealthy. Like that's where, yeah the biggest difference is going to get made in terms of like what you're wanting long-term, right? Yeah. So something really valuable that I want you guys to hear here is how Millionaire has become a million dollar program for Sabrina. But I think that there's just so much pressure in our space and in our industry for everything to be so scalable, like no matter what. So it's like even a million dollar program can't be enough. Like it has to be more, more, more. And I just think that is such BS. Like having a million dollar revenue stream in your business can be amazing, right? Not everything has to always and only scale. Like there might be a time, like Sabrina was saying, where it's like just at a one to $2 million income stream that is great in her business and is super supportive, but doesn't have to like be the thing that has to be, you know, to the sky scalable, right? I just feel like there's so much intensity and pressure around that in our industry. Instead of being like, it's absolutely incredible and wild that I can have one program generating a million dollars for me. And can I celebrate that? Can I own that? Can that be amazing without having to constantly be finding new ways to grow it? Again, can she raise the price hundred percent? Could she potentially do more there? Sure, but it really makes sense for her to double down on her program that is most built for that instead of feeling like there's something wrong with this program if it won't do that. So really wanting to name that not every program has to be something, again, how I said it like that, always or only scales. Sometimes a program can scale up to a certain point and then be a really, really solid income stream in your business. And that can be incredible and enough. And there's nothing wrong with that. So I feel good about that. And then also just, you know, getting back to live events and bigger platforms and books, I think Wealthy gives me more of a springboard there. And does that look like getting into course launches again more? Or what do you think? Yes. One thing I've been thinking about a lot is really redirecting focus for maybe the quiz funnel to a start your online business academy course funnel. Mm-hmm. 
and really just scaling that up rather than putting so much into a quiz that segments people into coaching programs. Mm -hmm. I mean, it could be a quiz that segments people into courses, but I think that that would be the end point rather than a coaching program. Yeah. Or it could be that slash then the upsell is to wealthy, right? So it still leads to that, but yeah. Yeah. But I think that's what I'm thinking about a little bit more lately. Well, you don't really, I mean, you haven't been selling fully, I think, right? But like, you're not relying on that to funnel people into millionaire. I think they're coming in other ways. So I don't know that that real estate is important in terms of that. I think it's way more important in terms of like the scope of scale that we're talking about here as it relates to courses or wealthy. Yeah. I think millionaire more so finding people coming in from the side or just podcast or Instagram. Yeah. 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 Um, We've started video recording all of the podcasts, which has been great because they're also getting real clips from the podcast. And we're now going to start putting the video podcast on YouTube. But I did a really big video filming day in December. And hopefully now if I'm starting to do, if they're taking my reels from my episodes, then I won't have to do as many of those. Mm -hmm. Very good. Okay. So what's next move? Is it like are we planning out some of the live events to sell into wealthy? Are we going to raise millionaire pricing? Like what's next up? Well, I've got some kind of back pocket options. I know a couple of weeks ago, we talked about rich girl spring. I'm not sure if I want to cram that into my calendar or not, or just bank that for next year. We'll do six figure roadmap in a week or so. And then I usually run 10 K May every year for like five years in a row now as an internal program for my accelerator. But I Figured this year we could just sell tickets to that. Yeah. And that's just a month long kind of intensive, which sells really well into wealthy or sold out sales, which I think sold out sales launch in the summer makes sense. So six for your roadmap is in a week that sells to wealthy. Mm-hmm. Rich Girl Spring technically sells to the mastermind, right? It could go to either. I mean... It depends on how we price it, but yeah, I don't know if I just want to bank that one or do that as like a one-on-one intensive or something like that, or boxer intensive. I don't know. I think it probably makes sense to bank that one for now, honestly. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. I mean, not that it wouldn't be like good or fun or whatever, but I think it just doesn't really necessarily accomplish any of the goals that we're like specifically talking about right now. Yeah. But Yeah. Okay. So are we raising millionaire pricing or not yet? You just want to like have that on deck. Mm-hmm. I think last time we talked about raising it from like 2,800 to 3,200, mm-hmm. something like that. And then like 5,000 to 5,500 for VIP. So I think I will action that by the end of this week. And mm-hmm. so just many applications that have previously come in, I'll do an initial outreach. If they don't sign, we're going to switch over all of our payment links and contract links. Okay. And then that's it. Is that still going well with the application process? Yeah. They're not sitting there anymore. No, no, that looks good. Okay. Okay. But that's flowing. Like those are coming in consistently. Yeah. There's no gaps to fill there at this moment. No. Okay. All right. So how are we selling wealthy? The live event, podcast episodes, Instagram stories. I was going to schedule some emails out. And maybe just kind of do an email launch for that in April. I don't know if I want to tie it to my birthday somehow, uh, but that's coming up. I do have a birthday specific podcast episode that I was going to do. I haven't recorded it yet, but I could have it be a strong push to wealthy. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. 
Okay. So why are you going to have to work more if you have to sell it more? I don't. (laughs) That's fair. So it's really millionaire. That's like feeling like that, the version of that, or is it just like all the collateral and stuff you're going to have to create around stuff as you grow? Um, I think it was just a lot of the kind of back and forth, like team management piece. Yeah. But I also think I just kind of realized like a lot of that just went away when that position went away, Mm -hmm. which has given me a lot of my kind of time and peace of mind back. Mm -hmm. Like I know I need to get the right person in that spot, but communicating with everyone else on my team is, you know, pretty, pretty minimal, you know, maybe 15 minutes a day and everything gets done on time and well. Mm -hmm. So yeah, but I mean, we've got collateral, we've got assets. The team is, you know, the people working on launches specifically have all been here for five years. So they know exactly how it goes, which is really good. So connect that with me to like that fear. Is it just like, it's not even based on like something you're experiencing right now. It's literally just that that position was tough and that that feels crunchy still, or it's more like, I think that I'd have to add more people that would then suck or whatever. I think it's the putting someone in that spot and then it's sucking again is a bit of a fear there. Mm -hmm. Any spot, just that spot. That spot. I've never had a trouble with anyone else in any other spot. So does that feel to you like, okay, well, that's the thing I want to tackle and build evidence on otherwise, or are you like, that's the thing I need a break on and a reset on? I had a little bit of a break and a reset on that this month, which has been nice. So I definitely do need to build some evidence around that. Um, yeah. Didn't we agree that you were going to do that by the end of April? Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, it's not the end of April yet, is it? No, no. I'm not saying you haven't done it. I'm just saying, like, are we still on track for that? Um. I mean, I haven't started on it, but yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure I'll pull it off. Okay. Well, I feel like all things said, some of the like, how do we combat that fear is definitely like what you're saying, like you're going to have the event, you're going to sell wealthy, you're going to focus there more, you're going to raise millionaire, you're going to like let some millionaire in the funnel go, double down on what's more scalable, blah, blah, blah. But I also think, yeah, it's like, I'm going to replace this position and prove to myself that like the right person can take more off my plate rather than put more on. Cause that's what you're scared of. It's just like more and more getting into your plate, you know? Yeah. Cause like what I noticed is like, everything would just get added back to me. Like I would delegate something that would just come back to me. You know, and like, I remember like during the offboarding process, like seeing all of these projects that were due in September or like July, just getting like reassigned back to me. And it's like, wait, this was due like half a year ago. So it's just like, that's the stuff that's like very challenging. But yeah, I feel like that's just kind of some of like the corporate, like merry-go-round shit that people do where they just like kick it to the next person. Totally. And so I'm running it across the finish line. And I think what I realized is no matter how many times you tell someone you have to run this across the finish line, like either they want to do it or they don't, you know, like, I think there's a point where like, you've just said it one too many times and it's just not going to stick. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just not the right fit. I mean, that was like ultimately what yeah. it came down to. That wasn't the right person. That wasn't the right fit. Like, yeah. Even if you're a great leader, sometimes that is just how the cookie crumbles. But I think that, yeah, like the evidence that like shit just doesn't always get kicked back to you is something that like is yeah. crucial for feeling like you can go and grow from here. Because if not, like, of course, like growth equals more shit on your plate. And it makes sense. That entire fear inventory makes sense from that perspective. You know what I mean? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, for the most part, though, it's been a really smooth, easy transition because most of my team members are really, really high hours. So even though they might not be full-time, they might be in the business like 40 hours a month, 60 hours a month, 80 hours a month. And I'm their primary client. So they're very responsive. They've been with me a long time and we have SOPs for everything. So nothing blew up, which was the good news, but also it's just reinforcing my belief. I can do it all on my own. So I need to combat that. But it's also reinforcing your fear that you're going to have to do it all alone and you can't scale past the point of you having to do it all. Yeah. It's not my fault. I'm just so damn good at systems. Are you sure? I think it might be your fault. I don't know. (laughs) No, but I mean, yeah, like I think even if you think about it as like hiring this team member is like as much as it's like an important thing in terms of like what you need in your business, it's like so important for your brain at this point because like that is where you're capping is like it will all be on my plate. And even if I'm good at handling it, I don't want it all on my plate. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely delegating a lot more to my executive assistant and she is very, very fucking excellent. And she's good at holding stuff in her brain and coming back to it because I'm not, I'm a goldfish. If I say it, I forget it. Totally. Yeah. So she's been really, really fantastic. Okay. So end of April is still very cool. Yeah. Deal. Deal. So another advantage of doing that fear inventory is being able to build evidence against your fears. That's really what Sabrina and I are talking about here. Some of the fears, you know, you don't even have to, like, it's just about like bringing them to the surface, getting comfortable with them again and again. Some of them it's like, well, there's like a really clear thing. I can find new evidence around here. There's a really clear action I can take that would make this less scary. But if we're not looking at them, it's really hard to discern what that might be, right? We're just feeling this constant low grade anxiety instead of being like, oh, well, Sabrina, it's really obvious what's going on here. She needs to build some evidence that the fear of like not being able to hand stuff over to someone isn't actually real, right? And so we can start to focus on that in a way that makes it easier and easier for her to grow because that fear lessens more and more over time as she builds more evidence. So just really wanting to say like, if the idea of looking at your fears is just like, oh yeah, why would I do that? Would much rather not. It's because there's really, really practical applications that can be important here, like building evidence against them, like being able to see where they're not true, being able to take action that proves that untruth that makes you feel safer and safer to grow. So finding what those are can be so crucial so that you can take the action against them and really prove to yourself that there's safety in that. What other evidence do you feel like you need to build against that? I think I need to build evidence that I enjoy being a social media reality TV show. (laughs) Okay. Say more. You just have to want to share your shit more basically. Yeah, I think so. I think it's just, it's always kind of worked well for me. I had a couple of clients sign on recently. One of them was a 60K contract and she was like, I love like how you love your family and love your life, but like 100K months don't phase you. I'm like, yeah, honey, get with the program. But like, you kind of have to like show people that instead of tell them that, you know what I mean? Because I feel like a lot of people will say like, I don't work, I don't work. But then like, 
you look at what they post and it's like, have you ever left your office, honey buns? You know, and so I think that sometimes there's like a visual disconnect for people where they just like almost don't believe it. Like me, everything ever is recorded from the exact same spot in my office. But the difference though is that you don't like post anything about your personal. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm so it's not like you're like, I'm so happy. I do whatever the fuck I want all day. But then like the only pictures you see are in your office. Yeah, yeah. And also you're very open about the fact that like you do work a full 40 hour week or yeah, yeah, it's not 30 hours or whatever. It's not 40 now, but yes, exactly. I was just teasing, but yes, I totally know what you mean. I think that it's like different to have them shown and experience it with you versus having you say it here and there but do you want that yes and no like I used to love doing that shit so much I think what I just kind of don't like is sometimes I just feel like a reality tv show for other people like one thing I have struggled with in the podcast experience is like I don't get any feedback from people yeah like in my head I'm just assuming like people are judging me people think I'm an asshole like I'm like I have a thing that I think people for sure think I'm an asshole because I said most OBM slash VAs are like incompetent. And it's not because they are if you're a VA who's pissed at me listening to this. It's just in my experience, because people fangirl over me, which I'm allowed to say, because that is my lived experience. It doesn't make me an asshole. Is that because people fangirl over me, they overstate their experience and they try and charge a really high rate because they think Sabrina's super rich and I'm going to impress her and I'm going to work for her. And then it's just like not a great experience, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. But then... Like I had like, I think this whole time, like one person, maybe two people message me like, thanks, the episodes are so great. So I just have like no idea. And like, okay. that's well, I can do a better job of sharing that with you because I get them a lot, but I just feel like well, you're like, well, I get none. So it's I'm just, fine. Like, so I never really share them with you. No, I just assume people think I'm an asshole, which like, fine, I am, whatever. Well, but, they like, probably do. <laughs> no, I'm too Great. But like with the whole social media thing, like I'll have people, like I had this one chick she messaged me recently, like something about how like I'm dumb or whatever. And I look at our message history and like two years ago, she sent me a similar message, like you're dumb. And just like every two years, she just like hate watches. She hate watches me all the time, but just every two years, she like feels motivated enough to tell me I'm dumb, uh-huh. you know? And it's just like stuff like that, where it feels like your entertainment for people. But then it's also like frustrating because your entertainment for people who are like, yeah, I totally agree with you. Systems are the best. And it's like, Susie, when was the last time you sold something? Like what's yeah. system And so it's just kind of like that frustration I sometimes experience between like the fakeness of it all, but also like, this is my authentic lived experience, but then also people think that I'm entertainment, even though this is like the real me, but then people are like, I love you so much. I hate you so much. I whatever so much. And it's just like, who are you? Yeah, totally. I think that you have to almost like fill into like, what are your lines and boundaries there? And like, what feels good in terms of like, quote unquote, being entertainment? Like, do you want to like, live into that and play that up and have that be like fun and exciting and silly and like almost like like how we were talking about with like reels a little more like reactionary like right or do you like hate that and you don't want it to be like that and you need to like curate a different experience but I think you have to find like the way that feels like exciting for you in that where like yeah. You don't have an expectation that Susie's actually going to fucking sell something you know what I mean I mean it changes like sometimes I love it and sometimes I hate it yeah. Mm. You know, like I think I love it when I do it, but then I hate it when I feel like I have to do it. Which just makes, makes sense. sense based on what you were saying too. Like I think your most your strongest core value is freedom. Yeah, which is like really 
uh, like mindfuck as an entrepreneur who like yeah. wants consistency at the same time. And like, yeah. is like, I've got six months worth of podcast episodes batch, but at the same time, like, I don't want to have to be on Instagram stories every day, but also at the same time, like my personality, I think is very much, I do like to like talk and share my shit, but then at the moment, the thing I most want to talk about is Bonnie and Clyde. So I like, don't post anything because I don't want to talk about anything else. Yeah. Cause you don't want to be that weird girl. That's only talking about her dogs 24 seven. Yeah. But whatever. I think you should embrace that. Yeah. Something I really want to talk about here that I feel like so many entrepreneurs struggle with is the mindfuck of consistency and freedom. Right. I think that's something Sabrina is always working on and through in her business, because like we were talking about earlier, freedom is such a core value, but she's gotten so much out of like the consistency. And I really do believe these can live together. I think it's just about finding where and how you'll hear us talk a little bit later in this episode too, about her finding that through a specific challenge kind of thing that she's going to do for herself, but like really seeing where these pieces can live together. Like I think her example um, was, you know, planned out content gives me freedom, which I think is so true. I find that to be so true in my business. I think like sometimes the more structure and systems I have, the more freedom I feel. Honestly, not sometimes, most of the time. But I think that we have to be able to label it as that. Like how does this structure give me freedom? How does this consistency help me create more freedom. And I think the tension between those two is always pretty high unless you're able to find ways to bridge that gap and to see how one leads to the other. And so just wanting to name how normal that is, no matter what stage of business you're at, especially if freedom is one of your top core values, it's so easy for those two to bump up against each other. And I think then sometimes what we do is like throw consistency completely out the window, right? And that never serves us either. I think you've seen this season, how much having some of that planned out content that can go out consistently has really, really served Sabrina and her business. And so just wanting to name that it's normal if these two feel crunchy together for you, but there are ways to work through that. They can live together. One can bring about the other and finding the path to that in your own business is so crucial. But I think what's funny that most people don't know is I was definitely afraid of dogs until I was 23. And then Winston changed everything. And then he did. Yeah. But like, I liked a boy in college and he had this dog named Cotton. The guy, his name was Scott. And we all called him Scotty the Hottie. And Scotty the Hottie got this new dog named Cotton. And Cotton freaked me the fuck out. And I legit peed my pants when I met him. (laughs) It's like funny, but it's not. You know, oh, you I, had to, like, baby. I had to like do that thing where I like take my hoodie off and like wrap it around my waist, you know, because I was like, yeah. this is the worst day of my life, you know, but yeah. So I just, I always hated dogs. Like I thought that they were the devil and now I'm just like a super freak, but also it's just, I think like it is also though, the reason I'm such a super freak is because it's the lifestyle. Like I get yeah. to spend all day with them. I can take them to restaurants. I can take them to bars. I can take them to the park. Like I work three hours a day, three days a week. Like I just get to live my life and they're a big ass part of that. And I just happen to think they're cuter than like, here's like me pouring some coffee. So like, why not let yourself just lean into that if that's what you feel like sharing right now? Well, I have talked to Paul about how I'm going to start a dog account for them and start to monetize Bonnie and Clyde. Why don't you just do it on yours? 
I don't know. I feel like we could, you know, get them like brand deals and sponsorships and like, we could like start like a line of like dog collars or something, you know? Dog so maybe, I like it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe I need to separate that a bit, but yeah. I think that you used to really enjoy it and tell me if I'm wrong here, but like, I think you used to really enjoy it when it felt like it brought a lot to you. And I think right now, sometimes you're focused more on what it takes away from you than what it brings to you. I think that's part of it, but I also just feel like a lot of the stuff that's like exciting to other people doesn't necessarily feel as big of a deal to me anymore. Like back in the day, like when I would get a Chanel bag, like I would like shake with excitement like yeah. I was like so excited you would pee your pants and have to wrap a sweatshirt around your waist <laughs> yeah and like now downstairs I have like seven Chanel bags I have two Birkins four Kelly's two Bottega bags a Gucci bag and who the fuck knows what else in my closet plus like literally 45 Zimmerman dresses literally 45 like I have not even worn seven of them like they still have the tags on Mm-hmm. And so it's just like, so like normal to me now. So like, that's also like the weird thing. And then also the other day when the whole boss babe thing happened, this girl was like, oh my God, she's so obsessed with Birkins. And she like found every Instagram post I've ever done with the Birkin. And she was like, gotta show the Birkin, gotta show the Birkin. And then that became annoying. Cause it's like, this is just my bag biatch. But then also it does make me feel like I can't show that stuff, you know? But yeah, also at the same time, like I've got dogs now. So like, there's no fucking way I'm taking them for a dog walk with a Bergen totally. in the Scottish rain. Like it's just not happening. I think you have to share more, like, let it be okay that you're sharing more of what's normal for you. I feel like that's what actually people like the most about you to a certain extent is that like, what did you say? That client's feedback was like, I love how much this stuff is normalized to you. So I think that like, it's not like you have to share it for people, but I think like not sharing it because you're like shaking in your pants, excited kind of thing, but just because it is your norm is actually what's more effective for you always. Do you know what I mean? Yes. But I think what I'm out of the habit of is doing that because like, I think the reason why I would show a lot of that stuff is because it was so exciting or so new. Like, Oh my God, I'm in Paris. I'm in the Maldives. And now it's like, I go to Paris twice a year, every year. Like, it's just, it is what it is, you know, except for COVID fuck that. But otherwise, like I'm always in Paris. I'm always in London. Like I'm always doing something. So it's just like, it is what it is. But what you were actually saying to me earlier today is how much you're working on like feeling so much like excitement and like reverence for your life right now. So I actually feel like that could be such a beautiful mindset hack for you is to be like, if I was sharing the normal more as something to like marvel at, like not only could that be like useful in terms of marketing, but I actually think that could be like a really beautiful mindset practice for you where you're trying to make those things not even exciting. I don't think that has to be the word, but just something where you're like, my life is so dope, you know? So something that I work on with pretty much literally all of my clients, I would say that are, especially that have like grown to a certain level in business is being able to marvel at the normal and how crucial that is. I think that sometimes in business, once you've gotten to a certain spot where, you know, like it's, it's not even about the many anymore, although the many is great. And like, some of those experiences that you marveled at at the beginning, like signing those first few clients or having that big launch or making X amount per month, it can feel 
so normal that it almost gets dull and you forget how incredible this thing is that you've created. And so really coming back to this idea of like marveling at life and what's present in front of you and the normal and your day to day and your routine is so, so important. I make this such a like focus in my life. I think it was actually one of my words of the year, maybe last year or the year before was marvel because I think it is just absolutely the most important thing we can do as we grow more and more is to be able to still find not necessarily that same initial excitement but that reverence for what we've created i think a, you know a lot like a relationship where you know you're not going to have those like initial butterflies forever but being able to like marvel at how good it is is so crucial to keeping it going versus just normalizing it so much you don't value it so same is true here no matter what stage of business you are i really really would recommend you take some time some space to do this every single week and to like really see the beauty in what you've created and what's in front of you not just what's coming because it's actually what makes your ability to create more so much easier when you are so enamored with what's in front of you so could not recommend that practice enough it is absolutely life-changing Yes, I am working on like privately romanticizing my life more, but then yes. also at the same time, I sometimes feel this like public conflict because like I have so many people following me now who are like friends and like family members and like in real life people, which like back then I really didn't care about like what other people thought about me. But now I feel like I'm starting to care like a little bit more because like I have friends who are, let's say making like $70,000 a year. And then it's like, Hey, look at this new $30,000 handbag. I just bought so cute. Mm -hmm. you know? So like, that's where I'm starting to feel some discomfort, but also just like, yeah, like I know that not everyone's in the same position and I don't want to be an asshole either. It's so funny because I feel like you and I have had this conversation slash you said it a couple of times today where I feel like the word asshole is like such an interesting one. Cause I feel like it's one that you used to embrace so fully. Like, yeah every time I would call you that you would like literally screenshot it and share it on stories. Cause you thought it was like, so funny. Like you used to yeah. like love the edginess of that. And it's funny now how much that doesn't feel true anymore. Or that feels like almost like a, a thing that you would be scared to be. So what do you think that like difference is there? Well, I think I've just done a lot of work in therapy and with you over the years, I feel like to just be very mindful of how situations are not all black and white. It's not just like you're an asshole or you're a loser. Like, you know, life is yeah. more complicated than that. And yeah. I think just becoming more grounded mm-hmm. in the sense of like wife, dog, mom, life, you know, mm-hmm. all the normal kind of boring ass stuff that I used to think was lame as yes. when mm-hmm. I was 23 and all I wanted to do was like buy a Birkin bag and go to the Maldives. Now I'm just like, oh, actually like this is not that lame. And it feels like assholes, like an older version of you or like the less evolved self kind of thing. I think so. I think so. Yes. The less emotionally mature version of me, I think. Mm -hmm. I wonder if like, and I know this is like so cheesy and I, I don't know that you ever resonated with this a ton, but I wonder if like, you're not sharing it having people think you're an asshole, but like more like you're sharing it because it's like really a gift for people to see you normalizing that. Like, again, that client saying that, like, yeah, 
So it's not like, oh, people think she's such an asshole, but it's more like, oh, that's like really helpful for me to see that like you can normalize to that level of like wealth or abundance or, you know, normalcy. Yeah. I think I made a decision a couple of years ago, like to stop sharing my numbers and things like that. And maybe I feel like it's less about like sharing numbers, but like maybe that is part of it. I think if I can reframe it as being like a permission slip and being evidence for other people, then that would feel a lot better. But I think what I see on the internet is everyone else, in my opinion, being an asshole and kind of bragging about it, but then also lying about it. Cause it's like, bitch, you don't leave your house. And also your house is really ugly. So like, where the fuck is all that money? You know, <laughs> like not to be an a-hole here, but like the math doesn't math. Math ain't mapping. Yeah. Fair. But like, also like you're, that's not you. So it doesn't matter. But I think like what, what your response has been to that is almost like, then you don't share any of it instead of like your response can be like, Hey, it's actually is possible to have this in a real sustained grounded way. I think maybe what I need evidence around then is that like, I can share my stuff without being associated with the bullshit. Well, someone's always going to associate you with the bullshit. It's just like, do you associate you with the bullshit? It does feel a bit clumped together at the moment. So I do think I need to work on separating that out. Yeah, totally. I mean, let's use the the Birkin chick. Like if she's triggered by that, she's going to associate you with that. No matter like how good your content is, what you say, what you do, you know this, right? But it's like helpful to be like, what matters is like, are the right people making the right delineation? And mostly are you, do you know what I mean? Like what's your version of sharing in an authentic way? And I think what's the most true about that is it's by living an authentic life. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's what you're doing. And I think that's where you're triggered by other people where you're like, hi, this doesn't make sense versus like you don't share the Birkin as much because you just don't use it as much. And that's like what's authentic to you right now. Do you know what I mean? Or when you were sharing it a lot of, cause it was truly like you were fucking peeing your pants excited about it. Right. I do think I'm going to start taking the black one out for a spin again now because it's Epsom leather, so it's waterproof. So I do think that bitch's hanger could come out in the spring. I think she could see some sunshine. I took the red one to Mallorca last year. The blue one had a fun spin around Paris. The Atouk one I took with Bonnie on many a wine dates. I don't sure I trust Clyde with that one, but (laughs) baby steps. But yeah, like I think again, it's like back to like, what's like authentic to you right now. And like, yeah, some people are always going to clump you into that. I think you had that experience with the boss wave thing, but like you were so unaffected by that. And I think that that's really more of your takeaway. It's not like, yeah, that that's not going to happen. It's just like, you have a lot of evidence that you can be pretty unbothered. Yes, I do agree with that. I think this is such a helpful conversation in terms of what does it actually mean to be authentic online. I think there's so much stuff happening in our industry in many ways where like it's it's kind of gotten a little too normalized to stretch income or lie about it or you know different things like that that Sabrina has kind of called out here too and I think that what I can see happen sometimes is that then people that really are living a great life that they would very much like to share shy away from it because it feels like, well, I don't want to be part of that or I don't want to get clumped in with all that bad stuff, kind of like Sabrina's vocalizing here, right? And I think what it actually means to be authentic online is that you are living the life and then you are sharing it versus you are curating a life so that you can share it. 
right? So it's one thing to be like, oh, like I would be doing this anyway and I will put it up because it's just smart marketing to go, you know, put it up in the midst of this versus like my entire world and day and life revolves around what would look good to share. And I think those are incredibly different things. And I think authentically finding your version of like, what are you doing anyway that you could share? Not only is that going to just translate way, way, way better, right? But it's actually going to feel so different. And I think that then even when you do get clumped in with the quote unquote bad stuff, which is gonna happen, you just don't feel that weird about it. Cause you're like, well, that's just my day and that's just my life and it feels authentic to me. And it's like not a thing, right? This is such a silly example, but like one of my versions of this is I just always put on makeup every day like have forever, it's just my thing. Like, I mean, literally have since high school, right? Like even on a weekend, it's part of my morning routine. Like I just do. And so I feel like for some people, it could be like, oh my God, how ridiculous that like every time you show up on video or whatever, you like always have makeup on. But for me, I don't actually feel weird when I get feedback like that because it's like, well, that's just authentic to me. Like, it's just what I do. It's how I do it. It's how I operate. Like, I don't feel any weirdness around that. But if I felt like I had to do that every single day so that I looked a certain way online, I probably would be quite triggered by that feedback or I probably would feel a lot less freedom or authenticity because it felt like a mess. And so I think there's just this way to be paying attention to what your truth is in that. Like, where is it something where you're doing it so you can show other people versus where is it something where you're doing it first and then the showing of it is just sort of like a natural offshoot that makes sense, right? I definitely say like that's something we all need to keep coming back to and looking at and I'm excited for that to continue to evolve for Sabrina. Okay, so what does that look like in practice right now? Maybe I'm doing some sort of Instagram stories challenge and just trying to do something there. Ooh. Ooh. I like that. Say more. Well, we'll start with seven days and see how it feels and we'll check in next week. Yeah, let's do that. And then also pay attention to like what the freedom element is there that you could feel good in. Like, does it feel free to like share in whatever way you want? Does it feel free to like not have a time constraint on it? Like, where do you garner freedom from that experience while still being able to create consistency, right? That feels good. Okay. Seven days. Yep. All right. I love it. I think this is a good week to do it as my off week. Yeah. Okay. Seven. Done. And I bought jeans that fit. The end. I'm proud of you. You could share that. I know. You could share your frozen burritos. You could share recipes. Mm. So many good things. Okay. I do. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Seven days marveling at your life and the exceptional things that you have created. Yes. Yes. And more deepest fear. Let's do that more. Maybe I'll do another one in a week or two for you. Yes, please. Thank you. Love you. Okay, love you. Bye. Thank you for listening to Literally. I am forever grateful to you for being part of our journey and spending your time with us each week. I would love to hear your thoughts on the podcast, so please leave us a review. Each month, I'll be picking a reviewer to give my MSC bundle to as a thank you for listening. This bundle combines trainings and workbooks that walk you through a condensed version of the work I do with my one-on-one clients through my mindset strategy and execution framework. 
And remember, sharing is caring. If you know someone who'd benefit from this podcast on their own entrepreneurial journey, please share it with them. What I know we need more of in this world is women living lit up lives and running businesses they love and are beautifully compensated for. And if you want more tips and strategies for growing and scaling your own business but are short on time, then you're going to want to opt into my private podcast feed, Back Pocket Business Mentor. You'll get immediate access to a private podcast feed full of tons of three minute episodes where I talk about everything from how to pick a strategy and business model that works for you to how to show up online as an expert and increase your conversions. Just go to a lituplife.com forward slash back pocket to dive in.